The white rose on the altar is in honor of Brody Dickey, who is being baptized this morning. The joint Thanksgiving evening service with the New Knoxville United Methodist Church is held here at the sanctuary on Wednesday, November 23rd, and that starts at 7.30 p.m. The Children's Sunday School Christmas Program is Sunday, December 11th. It takes place at the 9 o'clock service that morning, so everybody be sure to attend and get here early to get your seat. There are many other announcements in the bulletin. I encourage you to take the time to look them over because there are some schedule changes and other items of note in there. So at this moment, would you please take a moment and greet one another? Good morning. I want to welcome everybody that's gathered here in the sanctuary, along with those listening on radio and watching us on Facebook Live. Thank you so much for joining us this morning for worship at First Church. At this time, those who are able, will you please rise and join me for a call to worship? This morning is taken from Psalm 33. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and people to choose for his inheritance. From the heaven the Lord looks down and see all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope of deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, 
and those who hope in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Please remain standing for we have several praise songs this morning.
seated. We're going to go into a time of prayer here. Um, as you can tell from our praise set this morning, our focus today is on giving the Lord thanks, praising him for who he is and all the things that he's done for us. And it's fitting this week is the beginning of Thanksgiving week. And so we want to take an opportunity this morning in the service to praise him for all those things because he is worthy of all of our praise. He's a good, good father who is perfect in all of what, all of his ways. And we have much to thank him for, for all the things that he's done for us. And so in just a moment, I'm going to read a psalm for us to just kind of invite us all into a, a time of praise and prayer and thanksgiving. And I'm going to open us up in prayer, but then I'm going to invite you to take a few minutes to pray on your own. Maybe you want to pray with your family or those that are in the pew next to you, or maybe you just want to take some time, just you and the Lord yourself, whatever you're comfortable with and whatever you want to do. But we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to take an opportunity to pray to the Lord ourselves. So often on Sunday mornings, uh, the prayer happens from up front, right? Not that you're not participating in that. Of course you are. But we want to take a time this morning, given that it is Thanksgiving week, and I want to invite you to pray and thank the Lord yourself for the, his blessings, for his character, for his goodness, for all the ways that he's worked in your life. And of course, if there are things on your heart and your mind this morning that you want to lift up to the Lord and, and seek his help, we invite you to do that during this time as well. Because it's in our thanksgiving and praise that we're reminded of his, thank, of his faithfulness, of his goodness, of his provision. And it encourages us to keep going back to the Lord over and over again for those things we need in our lives. And so again, I just want to invite you, whatever you're comfortable with, if you want to just take time, you're on your own and take a few moments, just you and the Lord, that's great. If you want to pray with those around you, you know, parents with your kids or whatnot, that's great too. Take that opportunity as well. If there's anybody here today that would like somebody to pray for them and maybe you've just got something on your heart, your mind, or you just want to, someone to praise the Lord with, I will be up front. I'm going to just kind of kneel up here by the cross. Um, you're welcome to come up during this time, and I'd love to pray with you as well. But hear these words. I'm going to read the first few verses of Psalm 113. It says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you as servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over all nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap. 
He seats them with princes, with the princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. I invite you to pray at this time. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity we have to praise your name. We thank you for all your good and perfect gifts. And, and not just for what you've done, Lord, but, but simply for who you are. For a good and caring and holy and righteous God. We thank you for all that you are. And we ask now that you would be present with us as, as in our own hearts or with those people around us. We go to the Lord. We go to you, Lord, in prayer, thanking you for your many blessings. Father God, we come before you again and just praise you and thank you for your many blessings in our lives. Lord, we just ask that you, we know, Lord, that you are present in this place and that you hear the prayers of your people. You hear, your, you hear our prayers of praise and thanksgiving, and you also hear our prayers of, of intercession and, and uh, prayers for your help and provision in our times of need. And so we ask, Lord, that you would continue to work in our lives. We know that your faithfulness in the past is a, is a promise and, and a assurance of your faithfulness in the present and in the future. And so it's on you that we put our hope. Um, during times of need, Lord, uh, we look to you. When we are in need of healing or reconciliation, we know that you are always at work in our circumstances and in our relationships. And so we praise you, Father first and foremost, for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, and for the presence of your Holy Spirit in our lives. We thank you for all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This time we have an opportunity to witness the sacrament of holy baptism. So I want to invite forward Brody Allen Dickey with his parents, Derek and Jessica, as well as godparents, Brad and Casey Phillips. We have an opportunity this morning to, uh, to bear witness to a wonderful family and the commitment they're making here today. I want to invite you to hear these words, an invitation and a promise that's offered to us all. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. It's in obedience to this command that the church baptizes believers and their children. On the day of Pentecost, when uh, the, the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter preached a, a sermon pointing people to Christ. And in response to that sermon, the people asked what they, what they, how they should respond. And Peter responded to them and said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children, all who are far, and all, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And so having heard God's gracious promises to us, to us in Christ, do you desire that Brody be baptized today? Yes. Praise God. Now, Brody, as, as you've all heard me say this before, Brody's obviously unable to make any sort of profession of faith for himself. Um, in fact, he's teething a little bit this morning, I hear. So maybe you might hear him after all, but, um, but he's unable to make a profession of faith on his own. And so as his parents and godparents, I ask you the following questions as a testimony to your faith in Jesus Christ. Do you tr- truly and earnestly repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, and in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life? Do you intend to be Christ's faithful disciples, trusting his promises, obeying his word, honoring his church, and showing his love as long as you live? And will you devote yourself to the church's teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers? Praise God. Now, congregation, I invite you to join with us as we recite the Apostles' Creed together, this ancient statement of our shared faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That was quite the distance you got on that one there, buddy. Let's pray together. We thank you, O God, for the gift of life. We thank you for this family and for this child being baptized today. You, Lord, are the author of life and the giver of every good and perfect gift. Through the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, you've made it possible for us to be accepted into your family. I pray that you would bless and sustain this child. Draw him to yourself, just as Jesus welcomed the children during his ministry. May he grow to know, love, and serve you with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we also pray for his parents that you would equip them to fulfill the promise they make today. Bless and sustain them as they teach their children to know and love you. All this we pray in the name of your beloved son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So since you've presented Brody for baptism, we ask you the following questions before God and his people. Do you promise to instruct Brody by example and word with the help of the Christian community in the truth of God's word and in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ? Do you promise to pray for him and teach him to pray? And do you promise to nurture him within the body of believers as citizens of Christ's kingdom? Praise God. Now we have a 
I want to say unique situation here today, but Derek and Jessica have, uh, are, have relocated. They live down near Columbus, and they're connected to a church family here. But this is the place that you guys are married. This is the place AJ was baptized. And so as a family, you wanted this to be the place that Brody was baptized as well. And I think that's great. You know, we have an opportunity as a church family to come alongside them and support them and encourage them in their commitment they're making today. And we often think of that as this body, right, First Church, as the place where we are making that promise and that commitment. But in this case, we, we do want to help you. We, we do want to commit to you. But we also recognize that you belong, we belong to a larger body of Christ that goes beyond just the walls of First Church in this community and that you are rooted in a, in a different community, in a different place. And, and as a way to show our support as the body of Christ universal, not just First Church, but as a whole, we want to make this promise and this pledge supporting to help you and encourage you, knowing that you have a basis. So brothers and sisters, as we receive Brody into Christ's church, I charge you to nurture and love him to assist them to be Christ's faithful disciples. So with joy and thanksgiving, we now welcome you into Christ's church. We are all one in Christ. We promise to love, encourage, and support you and to help you know and follow Christ. Amen. All right. It's always the moment of truth here. Hey, buddy. How are you? I know the microphone looks really silly, doesn't it? All right. Brody, Alan, James, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the free gift of salvation that is made available through his death and resurrection. We thank you for the symbol of baptism, which reminds us that you wash away our sins and give us new life as we put our trust in you. And we pray for Brody, that you'd bless and strengthen him daily with the gift of your Holy Spirit. Unfold to him the riches of your love. Deepen his faith and keep him from the power of evil. Enable him to live a holy and blameless life until your kingdom comes. May he grow to know, love, and serve you with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we ask that you also look with kindness on Derek and Jessica. Let them always rejoice. Oh, there we go. (laughs) Here we go. Do you mind grabbing him real quick? I was worried he might uh, take that right off my head there. There we go. Let's continue to pray. We ask that you look with kindness on Derek and Jessica. Let them always rejoice in the gift you've given them. Grant them the presence of your Holy Spirit that they may bring up Brody to know you, love you, and serve you with his neighbor through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. We almost made it through that, didn't we? That was close. Well, congratulations, guys. We have a Bible here for you as, to take home and, and use as a family as well as a certificate of baptism. And then after the service, the white rose is on the altar for you guys to take home. So congratulations. Yep, and wonderful family. As they head back to their seats, I want to invite the children to come forward for Children's Chat at this time. Maybe I'll use the, oh, there's the big voice. It's me. Hey, how is everybody doing today? Oh my gosh, look at all of you. You're crowding up on me. Holy moly. I got all kinds of fun things today, all right? Let's talk about this. You ready? Hey. So we're going to talk about a few things. Anyone know what this might be used for? What do you think? What are we going to use that for? Swimming. For swimming, yeah. And what, is it, what does it help you do? Does it make you swim faster? No, it makes you breathe. Yeah, you can breathe, right? So we can, of course, I'm blind anyway. But you put this on, you can breathe, and you can still look down at the fish, and then your little breathing tube, your snorkel sticks up, right? Yeah, yeah so, and you went out one like you'll, you'll like vacuuming down like under the pool. When you're under the pool, yeah, absolutely. Got to clean stuff up. So today we're going to talk about actually obstacles. So what is an obstacle? It's kind of a fancy sounding word. Anyone have an idea? Sure. does a lot of stuff. You're doing like an obstacle course. How many of you watched American Ninja Warrior, which my kids affectionately call 
the show when the boys fall in the water. Yes. So today we're going to talk all about obstacles. So this, my nifty little snorkel and scuba mask here, helps with a certain obstacle, which is I want to see the fish and I cannot breathe underwater. Does that help me do that? I get past that obstacle, right? So we can do that. I'll hand stuff around. Don't, uh, don't put your mouth on the snorkel. That's just kind of gross. So, but you can take a look at that. Don't be too distracted. What about this guy? Does anyone have one like this at their house? Ta-da! What's that one for? What's... If I'm too little to reach the sink in the bathroom, that's exactly what we do. We can stand up here and then we can brush our teeth and stay healthy, all right? So the obstacle is I'm not six foot six. But when I stand on a step stool, I'm pretty, pretty close, right? So we get above that obstacle, right? None of you are six feet tall, so that's good, okay? What, this one? What's that for? It's for smacking people? No. What do you think? What's that for? I have an idea. Um, you could stick it and then if you don't have a phone or stuff, then you could help that so you can get Oh, like a pole vault. That would be fancy. Well, the problem is, that's a good idea. The problem is I didn't bring, there's a, supposed to be something here on the end. Does anyone know what goes on the end here? Anyone help at home? What do you think? A what? No, just like put your hands up. That's good. What do you think, Luke? A broom. Oh, you could put a broom on there. That would be nice. So the thing for this is you can put a paint roller. You put a paint roller. That's right. Because if I have an obstacle, if I'm in my house and I got a big foyer, I'm going to go paint up here by Mr. Culp. You know, I got to do some painting. Well, I don't want to get up on a ladder, but I can use my paint pole and I can get over that obstacle. What do you think? What do you think? Is that pretty good? That's a pretty good one. Okay. Now, these are tricky ones. I had to phone in a friend and talk to Mr. Metzger this morning about these. Does anyone know what these bad boys are? Oh, these are so cool. I've always wanted to wear these. You put on? Yeah. What do you put these on? So these hold your feet, right? How many folks like to climb trees? Yeah. Now, how many people could climb trees and stand up in the tree with a chainsaw and not use their hands? Me, you could. You, you probably could. That's probably accurate. Well, what Mr. Metzger uses these to do is he puts these on his legs and they've got these sharp, pointy spikes on them, okay? And so he holds them and they help. The obstacle is I can't stay in the tree and hold a chainsaw. But what he can do is he wears these special things. Like they clamp on the leg like this. You ever see these? Oh, so cool. And then you can climb the tree and cut the tree down with the chainsaw and everybody stays safe. That's a pretty big obstacle, right? Okay. Well, today's scripture lesson is all about Paul and Paul has a certain obstacle that he can't get around. And so we're going to hear about how Paul is able to, uh, well, he's basically in jail in his house. So there he's guarded. They can't leave his house. He can't go out and see people. He can't come to church. And what is Paul able to do? We'll hear about it in the scripture today. He's still able to preach and teach and share the message with all kinds of people. And actually, the scripture says, it says, without hindrance or without obstacles, without anything in his way. So even though he's trapped in his house, how many folks would like to be trapped in their house for two whole years? Two years? You can't go anywhere, Emma? Not going to the store? Not going to school? Not going? You're stuck in your house? It'll be fun. That sounds terrible. You would like that? You guys would. No video games, though. No, no video games. What? I'd watch you'd, oh, no electronics. Well, they didn't have them. In, they did not have them in ancient Rome. I assure you of that. Nothing. Nothing electric yet. You're right. You're right. So the point of today's all hand powered. So the point of today's lesson is we talk about all these things we use to get past the obstacles to do the things we need to do. Well, in the Bible and in today's lesson, we're going to hear about Paul being able to still preach and teach, even though he was trapped in his house and completely without hindrance, without any problems. So I brought another scripture today because one of my favorite people in the Bible, Moses, everyone knows the Moses story, right? Hey, there's an obstacle. There's this big sea here. I got, you know, the whole nation of Israel behind me. I'd like to get over there, please. Ah, the Red Sea's there. Remember, he parts the water. It's Moses, that guy. Okay. Well, Moses had a little bit of an obstacle in his life. And, uh, and the God was able to send someone to help him to get past his obstacle, um, which is great. So we're going to uh, say a little prayer here, okay? And then we're going to think about all the obstacles in our lives and how God can help us get past all of them so we can do what we need to do, all right? So uh, let's fold our hands and say a quick prayer here today, all right? Dear Heavenly Father, that they may hear your word and be enriched um, by hearing it and may it have an impact on their lives. Um, let us all remember as you 
right in Deuteronomy to be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them for the Lord, your God goes with you and he will never leave or forsake you. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Clinton. Thanks, kids. You guys can head back to your seats. I do have to say, I think the, the mixed reaction about being locked up in the house for two years is probably the difference between an introvert and extrovert. Yeah. The introverts were like, yeah, that's great. I will take that any day. The extroverts like, no, please don't do that. Uh, as the choir comes forward, we're about to get ready to collect our offering this morning. Before I invite the deacons forward, I just want to point out um, what announcement in your bulletin. As you guys came in the church this morning, you may have noticed some of these devotionals sitting by the doors. Believe it or not, next week is the start of Advent. Um, and if you know, in the last couple of years, we have purchased devotionals and we give them away for free for your own edification. Um, but also, if you'd like to grab one and give one away to someone, that's what they're there for as well. Um, this year's devotional is, is by David Jeremiah. It's called Why the Nativity. There's 25 questions that kind of walk through and help us understand what's going on with the birth of Christ at a, at a little bit of a deeper level. And so I want to encourage you to pick up a copy. If you, we ordered 200 of them. So, you know, maybe grab one for your family and grab one to give away. But um, we'd love to, to see these all disappear over the next couple of weeks. And beginning December 1st, encourage you to read one a day as we lead up to the Christmas holiday. Um, this morning, our offering goes to support outreach and evangelism uh, fund. So I want to invite the deacons to come forward as the choir blesses us with special music.
please remain standing for the scripture. The scripture today comes from Acts 28, verses 23 through 31. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's hearts has become calloused. They hardly hear with their eyes and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes. Hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Father, as we turn our attention to your word now this morning, we ask for your Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and minds. Help us to understand your word rightly. Help us to, uh, help us to learn from it, Lord, and, and take what you would have and apply it to our lives. Um, I pray you also give me words to speak, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So this morning we're coming to the end of our series on what it means to be an active church. And, and we've journeyed through the book of Acts together uh, from chapter 1 now through chapter 8. Um, and, and I want you to notice here that these final verses almost kind of leave the question hanging in the air. What's going to happen next? Right? Paul has been sent to Rome, and we talked about this a little bit last week. Right, He was arrested for supposedly uh, causing an uproar in the temple and breaking Jewish traditions, which he was not doing. And in order to avoid uh, being, being beaten or, or worse, he appealed his case to Caesar. And so he traveled all the way to Rome under arrest in order for his case to be heard. Now, as Clinton pointed out, there was much time that has passed during these last few chapters. In fact, the closing verses say that he spent, continued to preach and teach about Jesus. So Acts kind of leaves off on a bit of a cliffhanger, right? What's going to happen next? What's going to happen to Paul or what's going to happen to the gospel message as it goes from Jerusalem through Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth? I think passages, passages like this almost kind of demand a response from the reader. And this isn't the only, New Test, or only book in the Bible that kind of leaves us hanging a bit. At the end of Jonah, God confronts the prophet Jonah about the grace and the salvation that he extended to Nineveh. And leaves the, the book actually ends with a question just hanging in the air. The short ending of the Gospel of Mark ends with the women leaving the tomb, bewildered and afraid. And the question kind of lingers, what are they going to do about that message of Jesus' resurrection? And again, here in the book of Acts, it ends with Paul in prison in Rome, yet still sharing the gospel message. You see, I think passages like this demand a response from us. How are we going to carry on the mission that has been detailed throughout the book of Acts? Again, the first sermon that we preached in the series was from Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Outward Focus Church. You will be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we've seen that playing out now for 28 chapters. And as Paul now arrives in Rome, waiting to stand trial, he remains under house arrest. But yet he's given the freedom to continue to preach and share the gospel. And it says in the very last verse that he does so with all boldness and without hindrance. You see, God is calling us to continue that message, to continue the work that began in the book of Acts and has been going on for the last 2,000 years, to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to proclaim his gospel, to point people to him. And he calls us to do it with all boldness and without hindrance as well. If we want to be an active church, 
that makes a difference in our community and around the world. We need to learn to be bold and we need to understand how to remove all hindrances. And so that's what I want to talk about with our time here this morning. Those two things, to, to share the gospel with all boldness and what it means to remove hindrances from our lives. So first, let's focus on what it means to be bold. Boldness is a willingness to take risks, to act with confidence and courage. Now, Paul demonstrated that throughout his life, didn't he? Even in the face of persecution and trial, even in the face of almost, almost certain death at times, Paul never backed down from sharing the gospel. And there's reasons for us to be bold the first is that the message we have is urgent. Right? The gospel message is an urgent message that needs to be shared with the nations. Paul in 2 Corinthians 6 2 says, Today is the day of salvation. In other words, this isn't a message that we're meant to just put off until later, to worry about when we're older or when we settle down. It's a message that we all are called to respond to here and now. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, not when I get older. Not when my circumstances change. Today is the day of salvation. And the message is urgent because it's the gospel that is the power of salvation. Right? It is, it is the message of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection that makes the difference in our lives. Romans 1.16, Paul writes, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. You see, it is the gospel message. It is the life, death, and resurrection of Christ that makes all the difference in the world. It's a cure for the spiritually sick, right? You've all heard that kind of analogy before, right? If we had the cure for cancer, if you had the cure for uh, a terrible, debilitating disease, you wouldn't keep it to yourself, right? Well, the same is true for the gospel message. We are all spiritually sick. We've been infected with sin. And the only cure, the only anecdote is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The message is urgent because life is short and death is certain. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days so that we may have a heart of wisdom. We're all living on borrowed time. Some of us maybe realize it more than others, but none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. Life is short and death is certain, so we must respond to the gospel when we have the opportunity. And the message is urgent because the harvest is ready. In John chapter 4, as Jesus is having this conversation with the woman at the well, his disciples return and, and he begins to talk to them about a harvest. He says, don't you, see, don't you have a saying? It is still four months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Right? We live in a world that is broken. We live in a world where, where people are desperate for something to hold on to, something to make sense of this life. Now, not everybody may realize that, right? Not everybody may be ser actively searching for that meaning or that purpose, but it's been ingrained in all of us to, to desire something more, to, to understand that there's more to life than what we see right in front of our face. People are longing for something, they just don't always recognize it. So the harvest is ready. And, and God is equipping us to go out into the harvest, go out into the fields and reap a harvest. The message is urgent because Jesus will return unexpectedly. He can come at any moment. And when he comes, he will usher in his kingdom. And so we want to be ready for him when he returns. See, we have this urgent message that God has entrusted us with, and we want to be bold with it. But we also have to understand that just because we're bold, just because we speak the gospel or share that with someone, doesn't necessarily, we can't control how they respond, right? You may share the gospel with a friend at work or a neighbor or something like that, and, and how they respond to it is completely and totally outside of your control. Their response is, is going to be a work of the Holy Spirit from beginning to end. So if or when they respond to the gospel, it's going to be God's doing and God's work. We can't control how somebody else is going to respond, but we can make sure that we are being faithful to the call that God has placed on our lives. And so we're called to be bold because the message is urgent. And we're called to be bold because we ourselves are secure in Christ. Again, people may reject us. People may ridicule us. People may look at us funny. Right? If we share the good news of Jesus with them. 
but we don't have to worry about them because our identity is secure in Christ. It doesn't matter if people reject us because Christ has already accepted us. In Psalm 125, verses 1 and 2, the psalmist writes, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, who cannot be shaken but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. You see, our foundation is not in ourselves or in our circumstances or, or what other people think of us. It's in Christ, and that foundation is secure. You see, our security is not based even on the strength of our own faith, but it's based on the strength of the object of our faith. I was listening to a podcast this past week, and Pastor Tim Keller was talking about faith. And, and one of the questions that came up was, was, how can we be certain that our faith is strong enough to save us? And he used the story of, of walking out onto a frozen lake or frozen pond. He says, if you can have all the faith in the world that one centimeter of ice is going to hold you up, right? But if you step out onto that thin ice, you're going to fall through. It doesn't matter how much you believe that that ice is going to hold you if it doesn't have the strength to do it. But on the other hand, if there's five or six inches of ice and you stand on the edge of it and think, I don't know if this is going to hold me. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to stand on this. And with that little bit of faith and a whole lot of doubt, you step out and stand on that ice, it's going to hold you because it's not about whether you believe the hold you. And that's what faith in Christ is like. That's what our identity in Christ is like. It, it is secure, not because of our, the strength of our faith, but because he is strong enough to hold us. One more thing about being bold before we move on. To, what it, to look at hindrances. Being bold, we also can be bold in our proclamation of the gospel because we believe the Holy Spirit equips us and empowers us to share the gospel. Again, I point back to Acts 1.8. You know, these verses really kind of frame the entire book of Acts and, and the, the central message of it, you know, to be witnesses in, in these concentric circles that we talked about. But it's in that verse that Jesus also makes that promise that we will be filled with power when the Holy Spirit comes. See, we may feel inadequate and we will be inadequate at times, but in Christ, in, in the power and presence of his Holy Spirit, he will, he will equip us to, to share the gospel. He will give us the words to say, he will give us those opportunities. And so we must trust and rely on him to be bold when those opportunities arise. And so we're called, we see Paul being bold with his proclamation of the gospel, and we're called to be bold as well. And the other half of this verse, it says that, that he was able to proclaim the gospel without any hindrances. Now, this word hindrances talks about, you know, restriction of movement. Now, Paul must have experienced that in a very real way in his trip from Jerusalem to Rome, right? He was literally in chains at times, bound to guards, unable to move or to go where he wanted. And so in his mind, he has a very clear understanding of what it means to be hindered, to be hindered, right? To, to be unable to move freely. And yet, even in those circumstances, Paul was able to preach the gospel without hindrances. What are some of the hindrances that get in the way of us sharing the gospel, right? Paul was able to do it even from prison. What, what is keep, what is preventing us from doing it in our own lives? Well, there's a few things that I want to just highlight this morning. Of course, this is not an exhaustive list, but I just want to touch on a few that may be relevant to us today. First, one hindrance in, in our ability to preach the gospel is when our life is not aligned with God's word. In other words, when our lives are, uh, when we say one thing yet do another, right? We've talked about this before, what it means to be a hypocrite. And Jesus had some harsh words for hypocrites, the religious leaders who were doing all the right things on the outside, yet their hearts weren't in the right place. You see, our actions most often speak louder than our words. Most communication is nonverbal, right? And, and you all know that from your relationships, maybe with your spouse, or your kids, right? There is a huge difference between saying, I'm fine, things are great, and I'm fine, Right? A very big difference between those two statements. The words were the same, the content was the same, but how it's communicated was very different. And the same is true with our lives. We need to make sure that our lives are lined up 
with the gospel message. One of the greatest hindrances to preaching the gospel is a life that's not aligned with the word of God. I'm going to show my age here for just a minute, but I remember growing up in youth group listening to DC Talk, and there was a song that they had on one of their uh, CDs from the 90s called What If I Stumble? And the song opened up with a quote by pastor and author Brennan Manning. And it said, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. One of the greatest hindrances to the gospel is when a life is not aligned with God's word. Second is, is when, um, when the pleasures of this world are distracting or when our sin right, gets in the way. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 reminds us to, to cast aside, to set aside the sin that so easily entangles, right? And to set our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You see, we need to keep our focus on Jesus. And in doing so, it, that involves turning away from our sin, turning away from worldly pleasures and distractions and focusing on Jesus and experiencing his forgiveness, And so we need to set aside the things that that weigh us down, the things that restrict us. We need to repent of those things, give them to the Lord and turn away and turn away from those things and turn towards him. But we also need to remember that that when we've been forgiven in Christ, we are free from that sin. Right. We have been forgiven and set free. Every born again believer in Christ is justified before God, objectively forgiven and free from the penalty of sin. Yet too many of us still live like we haven't been forgiven. We struggle to forgive ourselves. We doubt that God really loves us. And I'm here to tell you today, Christian, you are forgiven, right? You have been set free. Don't refuse to forgive yourself for something that God has already forgiven you for. One other thing I want to share with you this morning, one other hindrance that may get in the way. We may look at our lives and our circumstances and and the obstacles that are in the way, and we think that those things are going to prevent us from sharing the gospel. Those things are going to get in the way of our ability to point people to Christ. But I'm here to tell you today that, that when we overcome our challenges and setbacks, that's an even greater opportunity for us to share the gospel than if those things had never happened before. I want to share a story that some of you may be aware of. A couple weeks ago, um, an Ohio State football player named Cameron Babb, Cameron Babb um, scored a touchdown against Indiana in, in kind of garbage time at the end of the game, right? The Buckeyes were leading by a lot, and a lot of the backups were in. And in any kind of normal circumstance, that wouldn't be much of a, that wouldn't be a big deal. But if you were watching the game, you noticed the reaction of the players on the field and the players on the sideline. See, Cameron Babb, we came to find out, was a fifth-year player, when he was coming out of high school from St. Louis, he was highly recruited, but he never saw the field during his time at Ohio State, not because he wasn't talented enough or not because he hadn't put in the hard work, but he had setback after setback, injury after injury. During his time at Ohio State, he had four blown ACLs that required surgery. Now, you only have two of them in your body, but he had four blown ACLs during his career, two two different times on both of his knees. But yet he never gave up. He kept persevering. He kept working hard. And in that game against Indiana, he scored his first ever touchdown. And a video came out. uh, And you notice that after he scored the touchdown, he immediately went to the back of the end zone. He got down on his knees in in a posture that seemed like prayer and pointed up to heaven. His teammates mobbed him. He ran over the sideline. The whole sideline was going crazy. A video that was documenting that moment came out this past week. Uh, Keith Luffel actually shared it with me, and I got to, got to catch it. It's about five minutes long. And it highlighted Bab's perseverance in his faith in Jesus Christ. Bab, his teammates, and his coaches all pointed to his faith in the Lord as the reason that he was able to keep going in the midst of adversary, in the midst of setback, with every obstacle that came his way. It was his faith in Jesus that helped him to overcome it. That video, which was shared by 11 Warriors, which is a, an Ohio State football Twitter feed, um, 
as of this morning, has been viewed over 235,000 times. That's 235,000 people, give or take a few, that heard the gospel message because of Cameron Babb's testimony and his perseverance. So here's what I'm saying with all of this. In some cases, your greatest challenge, your greatest obstacle in life may be, let me put it this way, God will work in and through your circumstances for his glory, not in spite of them. And Paul knew that better than most of us. Right? In Philippians, in his letter to the Philippians in chapter 1, he says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Paul is literally writing from prison in, in chains, and he's saying that, that it is because of that, that that it happened to serve the advance of the gospel. Paul wasn't complaining about his circumstances. He wasn't complaining about his obstacles. In fact, he recognized that it was because of those things that the gospel was able to advance. And even, even his imprisoner, even those who were over guarding him, understood and the gospel was being spread. You see, God can use anything that we think is a hindrance, as a megaphone, to proclaim the gospel. But only when we give it to the Lord. Only when you set your sights on Him. Only when you choose to persevere and not give up. That's how you be bold. That's how you overcome hindrances in your life. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. And I thank you, Lord, that you have, you have called us to, to, uh, to be bold, to proclaim your message without hindrance. And I pray that you would empower us and equip us to do that this morning, this day and every day, Lord. We give you all the praise and glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close our service of worship this morning, I invite you to stand with us as we sing our closing song, My Jesus. I invite you to go and challenge you to go and share the gospel with all boldness and without hindrance today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace.